0: Good morning friends, I hope that you're resting well and uh, feeling ease in body and mind, uh, settling, still arriving, We keep arriving, arriving in the heart, arriving in the body, arriving into presence. Um I'd like to just uh say a, f- a few words about um uh how we are in this space and making the most of of this uh gathering space of the meditation hall. Um it's it, it's a beautiful practice space. It's it's really uh, such a um a pleasure and a privilege to have this space together, um, and uh, and so I'd like to uh, encourage invite you to um, make a practice of of how we are and how we gather, um, bring uh, and and and. and you know you are already, so I'm just kind of shining a spotlight on it to to make it even more present in our um awareness uh, to um, to enter into the space with uh, mindfulness and uh, and care and a kind of um you know, even a reverence—if you relate to that word—if that word rever- uh, resonates with you—a uh, respect uh, is another way of saying it for for what we do here, which is um, which is holy, which is sacred. It's uh, and it's beautiful, and it's a gift to the world. So, um, so as as you enter in, I invite you to pause. And uh, and then enter um, gently. Let your energy be gentle as you come into the space. I, even if you are coming in, you know, just under the wire, and everybody's here and you're the last one in, still, uh, bring a bring a quality of gentleness, sensitivity, and respect uh, as you come in, um, kindly. Um, and and we can also bring that with us as we enter out into the sacred space um, beyond these walls. Remembering that instruction from Tiknat Han, with each step, I kiss the earth. And it is. Uh, I'm I'm very touched by the beauty of this place, and the care with which it has been uh, developed. So, um, so yeah, practicing that 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 quality of sensitivity and awareness of the space around us, and um, and bringing that with us as we move out as well. Um, Today, I'd like to talk uh, for the instruction time we have about working with what are called the hindrances, and also by extension, other afflictive emotions. So there are five hindrances. Um and these uh these hindrances are named that i always um uh, because i always kind of wondered why they called hindrances um because uh even from the beginning of the uh, of my practice i i recognized that they were opportunities that these are opportunities to awaken in the midst of what uh causes our suffering So they're called hindrances because they hinder uh, the mind becoming collected and calm. Uh, So they hinder that, but they are doorways. They are opportunities for us to see through the causes, the patterns of our suffering. When we are caught in in greed or grasping or or anger, or the mind is sluggish or the mind becomes rigid and fixated on something, uh, a belief, um, a preference, an idea that things ought to be a certain way, um, so these are. What I just described are uh sense desire, aversion, and ignorance um, and the and the form that ignorance takes in meditation practice is sloth and torpor. the mind becomes sluggish and heavy and kind of clouded um, so th- these are um These are patterns of suffering and and the work, the the sacred work uh, in monastic, Christian monastic practice, it's called the work. (laughs) Uh, And um, the work that we do to see into these and to see and to let them go, to unhook the mind from being caught up in them is is a work that is a gift to the world We tend to see when when we're caught in these um, in these patterns we tend to become to feel very isolated when we want something and you know it's we can't have it uh, or we, we don't want something and we want to get rid of it and we can't, whether it's a thought or a condition or and, and, and we're caught in aversion. We feel very uh, isolated and separate and alone. These, these afflictive emotions have that effect uh, because they're all part of how we construct a sense of self that is separate from the world. Separate from the rest of life, and um, and so uh, and so as we as we liberate ourselves, as we allow the Dharma, the medicine of the Dharma, to free us um, by letting go, by by seeing through, by um, unhooking the mind. Um this is a healing thing to do for the world, and enables us to, to engage in the world in a more uh, more loving um, and compassionate way. I, I don't see this practice as, as something that's just personal. I mean, it is personal. And it's also um, very connected to all of life. And there's a natural movement that as we become less caught up in ourselves and in our own wants and preferences and Um, compulsions and obsessions you know as we become freer of those we are more open open open-hearted and open-handed to uh, with the world it's it's difficult work and um, it's hard to see what what's coming up in the mind uh and And it here we are. we're on the third day of retreat, we're approaching kind of the halfway point of the retreat. And we have enough distance at this point in time uh, from our lives, from the busyness of our lives, and maybe the mind is quieting down a little bit and letting go. and And some of these underlying energies are becoming more apparent to us they're coming into view in our meditation practice um, and I know that we have a whole range of um, experience here so um, so you know some of you have practiced with this and you you know it very well and 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 others for others of you this is new so so when I speak and when I give instruction and and how, we shape the retreat. It's 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 um, uh, it's kind of aiming to include everyone and also to give something to to those who are um, have been down this path many times on many retreats. Um, so so grief may be coming up, uh, anger may be coming up. Resentment may be coming up, uh, self-doubt. So I, I named three of the hindrances, uh, uh, sense, desire, aversion, um, sloth and torpor uh, is, is what this, the third one is called. Um, and then restlessness and remorse and uh, d- doubt, skeptical doubt uh, is the fifth. So, um, yeah, so when these come up, it's, uh, it, it, is, it is difficult. It's painful to see because um, we like to, we want to think of ourselves, and we do think of ourselves as, as, as good, well-intentioned, and, um, and skillful people, uh, and, and we are. We are. Um, I mean, we wouldn't be here if we weren't. So, uh, and, you know, as I have said on at least a couple of occasions already, we carry the world within us. We carry the whole world within us. And so in many ways, consciously and unconsciously, we have been conditioned to, um, to the the greed, hatred, delusions and other uh, kinds of unskillful beliefs and attitudes of the world around us. So, um, so it's important, it's important not to have self-judgment around these. Uh, and yet it is painful. It's painful to feel them. It's painful to uh to recognize them. But there are there's an expression in Buddhism um, that it's the suffering that leads to the end of suffering, to to actually. Uh, turn toward these patterns in the mind that are also held in the body. Uh, It's it's the suffering that leads to the end of suffering. In his book, um, My Grandmother's Hands by Resmaa Menachem, he also talks about this in a slightly different way. Uh, And and he, he talks about clean pain and dirty pain. Um, and and this is the work, which is similar work to this of recognizing internalized racist attitudes. Um, and he and he talks about this, you know, to all people. Um, we all have, uh, no matter what the color of our skin, we all have internalized racist attitudes, but the work because because the way that we've received them is different depending on, um, who we are and how we have been racialized, the work is, is somewhat different, but it's all work. It's, it's clean pain or dirty pain. The dirty pain is when we're driven by it, when we're unconscious of it, we're caught up in it, and it's still painful, whereas the clean pain is when we turn toward it and we face it and we recognize Oh, yeah. You know, I saw, I saw my inner reactivity in that situation. And, um, you know, whatever arose, whatever perception uh, or label or aversion arose, I I see it and I uh, release it. So I remember very much uh, my um, my attitude toward you know and I can remember this from my first retreat that I did, my first Vipassana retreat um, that i I did and um, as I began to see these these patterns of the mind and um, and it was like. I slammed the door. (laughs) It was like, I slammed the door shut. I didn't want to see it. I didn't, I thought that that was the way to deal with it, to keep it out, you know, which is the opposite of the guest house imagery. Um, but really it is to open the door. And, um, and so, um, As we open the door, we are recognizing that this is not me, not mine. Uh, we're allowing the mind to turn toward the experience, not be at the effect of it. And, and so that, in that moment, that moment itself is a liberating moment. And and in that moment we can recognize, ah, this is dukkha, this is dukkha, this is this is suffering. So that's the beginning of the path. That's the the first of the first of the four noble truths, to recognize, to understand, oh, this is suffering. <clears throat> So so those are the general um instructions about uh the the five hindrances and you know any any afflictive emotion. Um we don't have to kind of when we feel something ar- arising, it can be helpful to name it. Um you know uh, but we don't have to Slotted into a uh, one of the five hindrances, you know, it it, can, it it could be jealousy, it could be pride, it could be um, uh, a feeling of abandonment, you know, which do have different flavors of of wanting and aversion and so on, but um, but the, the important thing is to recognize it as suffering. So I'll I'll just go through them, the five, uh, to just talk about a little bit what the flavor of each one is. So sometimes people get caught up in fantasy, uh, sense, desire, fantasy. And... um, and it doesn't seem like suffering. It feels, it feels pleasant. Um, but it is living in a dream when we are kind of really lost in fantasy a lot of the time. A very simple experience. Again, one of my you know these the imprints that that we have from our early. Retreats, uh, very, very strong learning experiences, you know, like just uh, toward the end of a very, a very calm and collected sitting that I had, that I had I'd experienced a lot of peace. And, um, and then just the desire arose as I, you know, I kind of knew that w- the sitting was coming to the end. But the um, bell had not yet rung, and the thought of going and getting a cup of tea arose in my mind. And and then immediately I got hooked by thinking about what kind of tea and would I put honey in it and 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 uh, you know and I was just kind of leaning leaning toward you know in my mind leaning toward that cup of tea and I was no longer present in the moment and then you know the mindfulness of that energy uh, was liberating and I you know and and I felt the pain I felt the discomfort wasn't extreme but just it was just a for a cup of tea, but it was very enlightening to, to see, oh, okay, that's sense desire. And, um, and so we do this kind of leaning toward experiences, reaching, reaching, you know, subtly or very powerfully, uh, mm-hmm. very powerful um, urges and wants can be driving us And and when we're caught up in the whole project of trying to obtain or attain what we want, uh, we're so driven by it that we don't realize how much suffering there is in it. And and so turning toward it and and releasing that and looking, observing, knowing. In the body, uh, this is wanting, this is grasping. And, and letting that energy be known, that feeds the wisdom quality that we are that we all have. Because when we're at the effect of some afflictive emotion. We are not listening. We're not we're not attuned. We're we're driven. But when we let go, we and we feel into, oh, what is that that I'm caught up in? And the wisdom quality of our being says, you know, this is suffering. We don't need this. <laughs> we don't want this, uh, and so because we don't want to suffer, I mean that's that's very innate in our nature and in all beings. Uh, no being wants to suffer. So, so I I invite you to um, to explore that, you know, in your practice, in your like, in your sitting practice, in your, um, you know, opportunities when, you know, we're going for meals. Uh, I remember my first, you know, becoming aware of how driven uh, my mind was around food and uh and and meals when I was on retreat um, early retreats you know because in my home there had been a lot of of um, dysfunction around food uh, and and so you know i i I took that i I took that in as a child and uh and and I was still carrying it and and so you know becoming conscious of it in in my practice um i would i would notice that my mind was racing 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 as i was was approaching the the dining hall and i wasn't even not even aware of really what i was thinking but the mind was just so uh caught up and and then i would sit down and eat and i wasn't even that aware that I was eating, that my food somehow then was gone. And, uh, and so just uh, learning to slow down, breathe, engage the senses uh, in, in a mindful way, in an appreciative way, in a way that honors our interconnectedness with life that the food is nourishing this body. And turning toward the senses, turning, uh, sorry, I mean, turning toward the hindrance, turning toward the pain, the suffering, this is the engagement of right effort. So that is one of the... um, Path factors on the, on the, uh, Eightfold Path, also part of the Four Noble Truths. Right effort is to, is to bring the awareness and engage. Ah, this is how we're, I'm caught up. And it, it takes, so it's mindfulness. It's, it's investigation. It's looking, uh, taking interest being caring and curious about what's happening, what is unfolding within my being, and, and then bringing energy to engage the teachings and, and relinquish that, that grasping or that aversion. And, and then we notice, so it, it, this is an opportunity for insight, and what I'm saying about grasping applies to all of these uh, hindrances. we notice the impermanent nature of it, so when you know that's so that's key that that noticing the impermanent nature of it, it's like, oh, when I don't feed it by thinking about that cup of tea or thinking about you know how how hungry I am and is there going to be enough food and and will I like it and um, and so on, uh, by just letting the, all that narrative and drama go and just coming to the body and noticing those energies, giving space, kind, compassionate space for them to be known, received, and relinquished, That then we deeply learn, we see into... The Vipassana, the insight, the seeing deeply, is the uh, translation of Vipassana or knowing deeply. Um, we know in our bones the the impermanent nature of experience and and we recognize that we may not have the power to control. All the conditions of our lives, but we do have the capacity and the potential to respond to take ownership to be to allow wisdom and kindness to be operative in this being um, that's where we do have our capacity to become Uh, the word "master" is is coming into mind, but there's a certain flavor that uh, I don't like about that word. But it is it is a um, it's a quality of um, being our best self. It's a quality of integrity that we can that we can step into and and be the the, the the person that we wish to be, and and um, some reflection on aversion. Um, so, with aversion, it's not wanting something; it's wanting something not to happen, or not to be there, or not to have happened, or wanting somebody not to be in that way that we don't like, uh, uh, whatever the aversion is that we, uh, we get caught up in. And it's a pushing away of experience. And our reaction may be to literally push away, or it may be to turn away, uh, to disconnect, to distract ourselves so addictive behavior um, can come from wanting to escape from the pain of memories, thoughts, uh, and feelings about ourself or feelings about our life that are too painful to bear or we feel are too painful to bear. So again, um, the the work is to to turn toward, uh, and and in in all of these, the the quality of love, the quality of compassion, uh, is so is so important. To have compassion for ourselves, to have compassion for the other. Um, Aversion is the most painful of the afflictive emotions, Uh, so there really is a a kind of standing in the fire uh, of those feelings. We may be holding resentment about something that happened to us. We may be, um, we may be holding trauma. We may be holding trauma in the body, uh, and um, it's so important to get support from caring uh, people, from caring uh, caregivers, professionals, or friends, or. Or family members who can help us to uh, to touch into the pain that we're holding and and find ways to release it. And with with trauma, you know, nourishing the body is also so important. Nourishing the body with. Um, uh, ways of just self-care um, you know whether that be movement or uh, or massage or you know ways of being with the body that are um, are kind and supportive. Um, music can be very healing to many people uh, walking, just sitting, in a beautiful spot when the heart is feeling a lot of um, hurt. You know, let, let the world hold you. Uh, and so briefly, um, sloth and torpor uh, is sometimes called sinking mind. It can actually happen as our meditation develops and the mind becomes more concentrated. So the nervous energy of the mind, the agitated energy of the mind that kind of keeps us, you know, in a, awake in a... In but in a in a nervous way, diminishes the restlessness of the mind, and uh, and so the mind um, can be exhausted, and and doesn't we don't yet know how to inhabit that new space that's freed up, and so the mind just kind of goes to sleep. So so that's important is to, you know, as as we see the arising and passing away of. Of um of the hindrance, whatever it may be, it's important to notice the space that that is freed up and to recognize that that space is open and receptive, and it we don't have to fill it with something. it can just there can just be that quality of awareness so um, so with sloth and torpor. Uh, In meditation, we open our eyes, we bring more energy to the posture, lifting the spine. We might stand up. Uh, Those are very um, simple and kind of technical uh, responses. In our lives, um, kind of drifting off, zoning out, uh, or uh, holding to fixed views, uh, is a kind of uh, ignorance and rigidity of the mind that, you know, it can't be that way. It has to be this way. Uh, that's wrong. Um, why? You yeah. know, maybe we can ask, well, maybe that's not beneficial, but, but just because it's always done, been done that way or, you know, doesn't make, make mean that that's the only way. And, um, uh, I just recently read a, a, a quote, I don't remember who it was from, and I don't even remember it exactly, but it's, uh, it's something like, you know, a, a wrong idea that's embraced by millions of people is still a wrong idea. And so, um, yeah, so we can question, you know, our beliefs, the beliefs that have been inculcated in our mind uh, and, and become more flexible. And how we think. Uh, it, it enables us to, to learn from other people, other ways of being. Restlessness and remorse are put together, this restlessness. It's a kind of a agitation, jumping monkey mind, jumping to this, jumping to that, this thought, that thought. Um, it's very hard to sit still when we're caught in a restless energy. And, uh, and so we, we want to give more space. So kind of trying to focus attention in a very uh, narrow and precise way, like on the breath in a particular place in the body is not helpful usually for restlessness. It's, it's, it's too tight a rein. We have to give a looser rein. And just um, be aware of the space in the room. Be aware of sounds coming and going. Um, be aware of the energy, the restless energy in the body. Just uh, invite it to settle. Uh, just let it let it have its own its own time, its own space. You know, it's this um, this uh, burn Buddhist teacher that I um, practice with sometimes in that tradition. Uh, just to the, the teacher said. Uh, let it let it be as it is. Just let it be as it is, um, and I, that's true for so many things, you know. Just it, it can it can be for our relationship with people too. Let let so and so be who they are, and not try to change them, and let our energy be be as it is, and just give it space to be as it is, and it will settle when we don't kind of get caught up by it. And then skeptical doubt is continually doubting and doubting the teachings. Do these apply to me? Maybe I should be practicing another another practice. Maybe I should be doing this. Maybe I should be doing that. Uh, so, um, you know, is that really true? Uh, what she just said. and And it's not that we shouldn't question, but do we have a stance of skepticism? or do we have a stance of receptivity and openness and interest, curiosity? And maybe it is helpful and true and useful? So so let's um, let's move from words, To the engagement in practice of of being with what is emerging, giving space, turning toward, bringing compassion and kindness always, and being curious in this unfolding discovery of how life is emerging, how wisdom is emerging, how compassion is emerging in this being.